podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Wednesday, the 29th of June, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're normally geo-blocked from. For example, if you're a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, it will allow you to do that. If you're an Irish expat and you're looking forward to the hurling semi-finals this weekend and you want to watch them on RTE Player, but you can't because you're geo-blocked from it, a Liberty Shield VPN will get you around that block and, most importantly, keep your private data safe. Check out libertyshield.com. Use the code EPL25. That's EPL25 to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 25% off at checkout. Right, folks, it is a Wednesday in the dog days of summer, in which not a whole lot is happening. But after we recorded yesterday, David Ornstein with the exclusive, Chelsea close to agreeing fee north of 55 million with Leeds for Rafinha, but not done yet. Keywords, close to agreeing fee, not done yet. Chelsea now best placed with Leeds and 25-year-old as long-term favourites Barcelona can't afford it and Arsenal not currently at required price. Arsenal made another bid yesterday, rejected out of hand, well below the valuation. Chelsea have jumped to the front of the queue. Again, close to agreeing a fee, not done yet. The spoofer, 13 minutes after this tweet, tweets out, fee agreed. Absolute shameless, shameless spoofer. And I was just talking to Guy before we hit record. And if you look at what he tweets, he says a whole lot without actually saying anything. Like most of his tweets, there's no information in them at all. He is just reporting or stealing the information that others have worked to report. The Lukaku stuff, the Lewandowski stuff, the Tottenham Richarlison stuff, the Memphis Depay stuff, the Latura Martinez stuff, all of these tweets designed for one reason and one reason only, to get likes. And if you want to know how out of the loop he is and how much he actually spoofs, just take a quick look at the Tyrell Malashia situation, where he tweeted out two days ago that it was a done deal for that kid to go to Leon. Yesterday, he has an exclusive 
that United are trying to hijack the deal. And today it appears like United have hijacked the deal and the player is most likely to join United for a fee in the region of £15 million. Now, he's a good left-back, but United already have two left-backs, both of whom are pretty good, Luke Shaw and Alex Tellez. Now, you'd assume now Tellez will move on. One of the key things to know here is Malachi's agent is the same agent as Frankie de Jong. So is Frankie de Jong's agent putting the strong arm on United and saying, I'll get you Frankie, who clearly isn't overly keen on the move, but I'll convince him to move to you if you sign this kid. What else was there yesterday? Reports of a potential contract extension for Donny van der Beek. And who's Donny van der Beek's agent? The same guy that represents Frankie, represents Malasia. So you can also expect to hear in the coming days that United have opened extension talks with Victor Lindelof, also repped by the same guy. Now, we'll wait and see what happens with De Jong, but United do seem to be in pole position on Malasia. Doesn't seem like the best use of their resources, especially if they're also in for Lisandro Martinez, who's more of a left-back in the Premier League than he is a centre-back. Unless they're going to play a back three, it's all a little bit strange. Anyway, back to Rafinha. I think that's a surprisingly sensible transfer for Chelsea. Given all of the silliness that's currently surrounding them with what Bowley's doing with some of the players they've been linked with, like Cristiano, the fact that they're going in on Rafinha, I think that's a very good move. It says to me that the Usman Dembele thing, they've just binned it off, that they've decided to pull the plug on that one because they're sick of the stalling tactics, where he's clearly just trying to work the most money out of a club and he isn't going anywhere based on a personal preference. It's a monetary preference. And I think they've moved on to the right player. Rafinha is an immediate upgrade on what Chelsea had on the right of their front three last season, whether that was Callum Hudson-Odoi, a super talented but young, inconsistent player who Tuchel doesn't really seem to trust. Christian Pulisic, who's always... And by the way, Hudson-Odoi, in a front three, probably suited more to the left-sided role. In a 4-2-3-1 or something like that, then I'd put him on the right. But in a 4-3-3, I think he's better suited to the left-sided role. Christian Pulisic is the same, better suited to the left side, also quite injury-prone. Rafinha is clearly a better player than Hakim Ziyech. And the other player that regularly plays in those kind of withdrawn roles in the front three, well, there's two others, Mason Mount, who's a midfielder out of position in that role, and Timo Werner, who has been linked with moves away. Rafinha is an immediate upgrade on this situation for Chelsea, It's a good price for a 25-year-old with two years of Premier League experience who's shown himself to be one of the better right-sided attackers in the league. I can't see a downside in this move. I also think it gives you a lot of flexibility because he can play as a right-sided eight. He can play right-side in a 4-4-2, right-side in 4-2-3-1, right-side in 4-3-3. I think he makes an awful lot more sense there than he would, say, at Arsenal or at Chel- or, or Tottenham. So I think this is a good move for Chelsea. I also think it 
might signal a change at Chelsea. So they're clearly in for Raheem Sterling as well. So if they sign Rafinha and Sterling, both of them are coming in to start. And my assumption is they come in and they start either side of Kai Havertz in a front three. So what do you then do with Mason Mount, who's clearly going to remain a starter, but he has to drop into midfield. But Mason Mount is not playing in a midfield two. Now in a midfield three, I think Mason Mount will thrive. You put Mason Mount as your most attack-minded eight, Kovacic or or Kante as that box-to-box midfielder who can be a destroyer and a distributor. You need a holding midfielder, but all of a sudden your midfield starts to look really strong. Mount, Kovacic, Kante and Conor Gallagher all tailor-made to be eights in a three-man midfield. Jorginho will be a fine backup, number six. And by fine, I literally mean it's grand. He's fine. It's not good there, but it's fine. He's tailed off, obviously, in the last year or so. Defensively, he's a little bit suspect, though positionally, he's very good. But he's slow. He's not the most physical player. He's not a ball winner. You'll need to upgrade that position. But this starts to to show a bit of a shape here. Rafinha, Kai, and Raheem. That's a good front three. Gives you goals, creativity, and pace. Mount, a new holding midfielder, and Kovacic, that's a really strong, well-balanced midfield. Reese James at right back. Ben Chilwell at left back. You're sorted in those positions. You need your centre-backs, but they needed two centre-backs anyway. They needed two starting centre-backs anyway. A move to a back four makes a lot of sense when you see the players they've been linked with in recent weeks. I know Milan Skriniar has played on the right of a Conte back three and an Inzaghi back three, but he is much better suited to playing in a four as the right-sided centre-back in that four. Matthias De Ligt is only suited to the middle role of a back three, but is ideal as the left-side centre-back in your back four. I don't think they'll get the lift, but I think when I look at those two players and Koulibaly, who they've also been strongly linked with, I think Tuchel wants to move to a back four. Jules Koundé wasn't going there, but I think he was a transfer driven by Marina, not by Tuchel. Koundé is not a centre-back in a back four in the Premier League. He's a right-back in a back four in the Premier League. Now they're looking at real centre-backs to go into a back four. And if they could land, let's say they land Skriniar and Koulibaly. Well, that's a really good pairing in a four. James, Chilwell, that's a strong back four. Mendy in goal, Mount Kovacic, the front three. You're a holding midfielder away from being a very formidable team. Now, can they get all of that done? Do they have the money to do all of that? That remains to be seen, but there's clearly players at Chelsea that they could look to move on. Hacking Zajic is one. He doesn't really have a future there. So they could look to move him on. Kepa, I don't know that there'll be much financial benefit to selling him or to loaning him out, but they could look to move him on. At least it brings the wage bill down. Lukaku, we know, has gone on loan. 
Timo Werner could definitely go, and I don't think you'd miss him too much. Loftus Cheek could be sold. Ross Barkley could be sold. They could sell Hudson Adoy. Because you've also obviously got to consider depth here. So let's just say they keep Kappa. Kappa, they're looking to bring in Klaus for, for the right back position. Could Levi Caldwell be just your backup left back? Could you just bring in one of the academy kids like Matson? You probably could. Caldwell should be kept as one of the centre-back depth for definite, as should Trevor Chalaba, and you've got Thiago Silva. So if you add your two starters and you've got those three as your depth, you're really strong at centre-back. You need that backup right back. You might need to buy a backup left back if you decide that none of the academy lads are good enough or ready enough. But it doesn't have to be a big expense in the same way Klaus is not going to be a big expense if they get that one done. Like I said, in midfield, you'll have Gallagher and say Kante as the backup eights, Jorginho as a backup six. You'll also have Billy Gilmore, who could be a backup eight or a backup six. Um, they could look to bring Ethan Ampadu back to the club as a backup six who can also fit on a centre-back. They do still own, if I'm not mistaken, Emerson Palmieri, who could just be the backup left-back for a year if they just want to save their money for what they're planning to do. And up front, Harvey Vale is going to need to be involved in the first team this year. He's too good to be held back any longer. So if he's one of the backups... Armando Brohia can be the backup nine and give you that number nine option where mid-game you could easily withdraw, let's say, Mason Mount and go defensive midfielder plus Kovacic with Rafinha, Kai and Sterling behind Brohia in a 4-2-3-1. And then obviously you'd keep Pulisic as the first choice backup on both sides of the striker. But all of a sudden, that's a very strong team. Now, it's a lot of money. 55 plus some add-ons for Rafinha, probably 45 or so for Raheem. I think Skrini is going to be really expensive, and I don't actually think they'll get him. Let's say they get Milinkovic, who's the player I mentioned for them the other day. Let's say they get him and Koulibaly. I like that pairing. And that pairing probably sets you back about 70 million. Klaus is 10. Well, you're about 170, 180 million into the hole for this team, but you're very much transformed. Now, it'll take some time for players to settle in, for the change in shape to take hold, but you're a very different team with a very different group of players. You've also got other youngsters that should be given consideration. Tino Angerin, very, very talented player, I think, has a big future at the club. Could Henry Lawrence get some run as a young right-back? Dion Sterling's another one. Um, Buyamba, the young Dutch centre-back, he could get some run in the team. What about Dylan Williams for some games at left-back? Lewis Hall, Charlie Webster, Jude Sunsup-Bell, who looked decent last season when he got an opportunity. You could transform that Chelsea team. And as I said, you could sell Timo Werner. You'd probably get 35 million. 
you might get 20 for Zayic. Um, you might get 10 for Malang Sar. You might get 10 for Marcus Alonso and maybe similar for uh, Aspilicueta if you decide to move him out the door. So you can start to claw back 70, 80, maybe 90 million. You know, there's other lads there that need to go. Michi Batshuayi, uh, Timu Bakayoko, uh, Matt Miazga. These are lads that all need to be sold. Baba Rachman, sold or just buy out their contracts and, and rid yourself of those players who are just a drain on your resources. Like I said, Barkley could go, Loftus-Cheek could go. You'd probably get 25 million for the pair of them. So it starts to, to tick up over the 100 million mark. And maybe you can transform this team for a net spend of 70, 80 million and have a really good depth 11 and have playing time for all of these immensely talented young players because what Chelsea can't afford to do is repeat the mistakes of past years and let Mark Wehi and Tamori and players like that leave the club. Like, wouldn't they have been so much better off last season if they'd had Tammy Abraham and Armando Brogia as their nine options rather than Romelu Lukaku? Wouldn't they be so much better off if they were looking at this season and just thinking, right, we've got Mark Wehi, we've got Tammy Abraham, or we've got um, Fikayo Tamori, we've got Trevo Chalaba, and we've got um, Levi Colwell, plus Thiago Silva, plus Ethan Ampadu. That's our centre-backs. We're set. We don't need to touch anything. We're good to go. Wouldn't they be better off if they still had Tino Livermento behind... Reese James, you know, all of a sudden you're only looking at having to bring in a backup left back into the mix in defence. Everything else is set. I know they let Declan Rice go early in his career, so we won't hammer them too much for that, though, you know, still a mistake. Um, but they need that holding midfielder anyway. But everything else in midfield is ready to go. Up front, they'd still have Tammy. They'd have Broya. You'd still want Raheem and Rafinha, but... You know, you're just looking for those two, a holding midfielder and a left back. It's a lot easier to have that summer than the summer they're currently facing up to. So speaking of the mistakes, given that Rafinha could become the first signing of the Bowley era, and I think it's a good signing, definitely an upgrade on everything they've got there. And I fail to see how anyone could dispute that. I think, you know, if you're trying to dispute that, you've probably not watched what's gone on the last couple of years. You, you've probably not seen enough of Hakim Zayic at Chelsea. Uh, you've probably not seen the struggles of Hudson-Odoi or paid attention to the fact that the manager doesn't seem to have a huge amount of faith in him. Even though, like I said, I wouldn't be selling him. I'd be loaning him and trying to get him minutes and get his confidence and his rhythm back. Um, I thought what I'd do is I'd go back through the Roman Abramovich era and just for the laugh, because there's not a whole lot else to do, just look at some of the ways in which Chelsea spent an incredible amount of money. Let's start off with the 0304 season, the first summer of Roman. Glenn Johnson for six million, Jeremy for seven million, Wayne Bridge for seven million, 
Damien Duff for 17 million. Joe Cole for 6.6. Juan Sebastian Veron for 15. Adrian Mutu for 15.8. Alexi Schmierten for 3.45. Hernan Crespo for 16.8. Neil Sullivan for 500,000. Claude McAlealy for 16 million. That's all in one summer. Plus Marco Ambrosio and Jurgen Macho on free transfers. In the January of that year, they sign Scott Parker for 10 million. That summer, they let Ed DeHoy, Graham Lasseau, Jody Morris, Gianfranco Zola, and Albert Ferrer leave the club. They got a very small fee for DeHoy, I think about 200 grand, and they got 500,000 for Graham Lasseau. They spent a total of 120.65 million and recouped about 700 grand. So they spent about 120 million. Macho and Ambrosio were signed to be depth goalkeepers. Glenn Johnson was a promising right back at the time. You could see the logic in it. Jeremy turned out to be a good squad player for them for a few years. Could be versatile and play in a few different positions, so you're not going to hammer them for that. Wayne Bridge was probably England's second-best left-back behind Ashley Cole at the time. Was a good player and a good player for them. Uh, Damien Duff played a key role in Mourinho's title-winning teams. I think Joe Cole was always a bit disappointing after leaving West Ham, given what he was meant to become. But he did have at least one season in which he was excellent for Chelsea. Veron was not good in England at any point, not with United, not with Chelsea. He just, it, the game didn't suit him for whatever reason. Adrian Mutu was one of the most sought after young forwards in world football at the time. That was quite a coup. London uh, opened up that poor lad's eyes and he fell too far into the lifestyle. Obviously, he had a failed drug test. They terminated his contract and the legal situation that by that ran and ran. So that one was a disaster for everybody. Uh, Alexi Schmerten, I assume, was only signed because Roman wanted a Russian. Hernan Crespo didn't work. They loaned him back to Italy, I think to AC Milan, maybe to Inter Milan first and then AC Milan. Um, if memory serves, yeah, Inter Milan. No, Milan first and then Inter Milan. So of the Six years, he was, sorry, five years, he was contracted to Chelsea for, he spent three of them on loan. Three of them on loan. And um, look, he played 49 games, Chelsea. He did score 20 goals. But unfortunately for him, he struggled initially and he didn't suit how Mourinho wanted to play. And then Mourinho bought Drogba. Uh, we'll move on to the next season. So overall, oh, sorry, McAlealy was obviously a huge success. Neil Sullivan was bought to be depth, and I don't know why they bought Scott Parker. Um, overall, a very hit and miss first year for Roman. Year two, things started to get scary for the rest of the league. Paolo Ferreira comes in from Porto, having just won the European Cup. He's an upgraded right back for them. Petr Cech arrives, immediately the best goalkeeper in the league. Arjen Robin arrives for 12 million. Unbelievable first season there. 
Matthias Kesman comes in, 5.3 million from PSV. Uh, good player, not quite good enough to start and couldn't find rhythm as a bench player. Drogba, 24 million. There were a lot of doubts about Drogba, about his technique, but he was perfect for Chelsea for a long, long time. A big game player as well. Great mentality. Mourinho wanted a nice Portuguese nucleus. So Thiago arrived from Benfica. That one didn't work. Ricardo Carvalho arrived from Porto for 20 million. Arguably one of the three best centre-backs the Premier League has ever seen. Um, Nuno Marash arrived. I, I still don't know why. Um, I, I don't understand why they signed him for, I think it was about 4 million. And then in the January, they signed Yuri Yarosik, a Czech midfielder from CSK Moscow for 3 million. Uh, maybe Roman just wanted more Eastern Europeans around. Uh, that summer, Bogart was released, having milked them for millions. Desai left. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Mikhail Fursell. Mario Melchiot, Manu Petit, Mario Stanich, Carlton Cole, Hernan Crespo was loaned, Veron was loaned. That tells you how their first seasons had gone. Zenden left on a free, Neil Sullivan left on a free, Marco Ambrosio left on a free, and they got 2.2 million for Jesper Gronkier from Birmingham. Um, a total spend of 92.1 million so a, a, an overall spend of 90 million um and in fairness this is a very good window because you get check you get drogba you get carvalho you get robin that is four players who went on to be world class paulo ferreira struggled a little bit with the intensity of the premier league but wasn't bad wasn't bad by any stretch 0506 uh Asier Del Horno was one of the best young left-backs in the world when they brought him in from Athletic Bilbao to replace Wayne Bridge. Uh, it didn't quite work out for anybody involved. Lasana Diara arrived from La Havre, and this was one of the first young prospects that they went and just kind of plucked. Uh, went on to have a good career. Didn't work for him at Chelsea. Sean Wright Phillips was one of the most exciting young players in England. They spent £21 million on him. It didn't really work. Michael Essien, 24.4 million, went on to be world-class for them. Outstanding. And then Manish, uh, the Portuguese midfielder, Mourinho had had him at Porto. He'd gone to Dinamo Moscow. It had been a bit of a disaster, so Mourinho was happy to bring him in. Uh, Mikel Forsell left for 3 million. Kesman left for 5.3, so didn't really lose any money on him. Schmerten went to Ch uh, Charlton on loan. Yurasek went to Birmingham on loan. Thiago left for Leon for 6.8 million, where he would start to turn his career around. But they lost a good chunk on him. Uh, Lenny Pidgeley went to Millwall on loan. And Alexis Merton was then sold to Dinamo Moscow for 1 million in the, January, in the winter transfer window. A big loss. They also lost 3.5 million on Scott Parker, selling him to Newcastle. So this year, the spending is massively reduced from the previous two years they have a net spend of about 36 million Essien is the big get here and he makes that window a success all by himself even though Del Horno and Wright Phillips didn't really work out I believe they did make a good profit on uh, Diara we'll get to him 
when we sell them in a couple of years. Uh, moving on to 06-07. Michael Balak on a free was brilliant for them. Solomon Callow for $9 million, uh, would become a very, very worthwhile squad player. Andrei Shevchenko for $30 million was terrifying at the time because he was the best striker in the world. But it didn't really make sense because they had Drogba. John Obi Mikel was the first the first time it became really obvious that Chelsea just didn't care about money. Like they'd been obviously spending heavily more than anyone had ever seen in the Premier League before. But the Obi Mikel deal was mental. So he signed for Manchester United and for Chelsea at the same time. Chelsea paid a four million fee to Lynn in Portugal for his services, but had to pay United 12 million just to go away, to basically buy him out of their contract with him. So 16 million for a midfielder we'd never heard of at the time. Now, he would go on to become a long-serving player for Chelsea and played a key role in a lot of success for them as a squad player. Uh, Khalid Boularouz, nicknamed the Cannibal, 8.5 million from Hamburg. Disastrous signing for everybody involved. Ashley Cole, 5 million, and William Gallas. This was a great deal. Gallas, a very good defender, but Ashley Cole was the best left back in world football at the time, without a shadow of a doubt. And they just basically bullied Arsenal into getting him. So great deal for Chelsea. Balak. Cole and the squad additions of Kalu and Obi Mikel make this success, even with the Shevchenko failure, as by far the biggest signing. But I mean, Ashley Cole and Michael Balak, I mean, two world class players. Uh, Lenny Pidgeley left on a free. Ider Johnson was sold for eight million. Yuri Yurisak for two. Carlton Cole for three. Damien Duff for five million was a strange sale considering how much they paid from him and how good he'd been, but they made a decision to move on. Uh, Asir Del Horno sold for 5 million. Robert Huth sold for 6 million. And 10 years later, he'd go on to obviously win a league title with Leicester. Uh, and obviously Gallas went in that Ashley Cole deal. They spent 57 million. They brought in around 31. 26 million, you get Ashley Cole, you get Michael Ballack. You're happy enough. You're not going to complain. But the big summer signing was Shevchenko, and obviously it did. It did go spectacularly wrong with him. Uh, 07, 08, they signed Jacob Millis, Danny Phyllis-Kirk. This is when they started trying to sign up kind of talented young players from around England, and the talent ID just wasn't very good. Claudio Pizarro arrived as a backup, and it was fine as a backup. Tal Benaim. As a backup, he ended up staying there for a number of years and was always a solid enough defender. Uh, Steve Sidwell didn't really understand the signing of him, but he was an English player on a free, so whatever. Florent Maluda for $13.5 million. They snatched him from under the nose of Liverpool. Talented player, could never really find consistency. Uh, Fabio Barini from Bologna on a free. Alex, the Brazilian centre-back, arrived back on loan. He'd been at the club a few years. Uh, Giuliano Belletti, 5.5 million. Didn't really understand this one. He wasn't particularly good. Did score in a European Cup final, though. Nico Anelka for 15 million. Uh, he turned out to be a good player for them. Branislav Ivanovic, great signing, just under 10 million. 
and he was outstanding for them for years and years. And Franco De Santo uh, came in on a undisclosed fee. I think it was about two million uh, from a club in Chile. He went on to have a decent career. He was round for a long time. Um, they sold Arjen Robin for twenty one million. That was a mistake. They sold Diarra to Arsenal, I think, for six million. Juan Sebastian Veron left for free uh, after the end of many loans. Um, they made they so they spent about nineteen million overall. Ivanovic is is a success, but you'd be hard pressed to look at any of the other signings. Oh, and Elka, to be fair as well, was a success in what he brought them. But Sidwell Maluda didn't wasn't always consistent. But I suppose they're probably happy enough. All in all, probably a successful window for them, but largely because they could throw around money left and right. Uh, Jose Basingua arrived in. 20, in 2008, quality right back, an upgrade they'd needed. Deco for 8 million, such an exciting player, great passer, something they didn't have before that as a, you know, as a creative outlet in midfield. They'd always had, you know, Lampards and Balak's goal scorers. He was a different type. Um, they brought in Ricardo Caresma and Gogan Torre. Neither of them really worked at the club at all. They sold Steve Sidwell for five million. It made it a it made it a successful transfer. You got him for free. You sell him for five. You're happy out. They lost big money on uh, Bularus. They made five million in profit on Tal Ben Haim. City had got money and didn't know how to spend it, which is what happened here. City also bought back Sean Wright Phillips for nine million. Um, so Chelsea took a big loss in that one. Then they sold Wayne Bridge also to Man City. City when they got money didn't really know how to act with it and just bought players from Chelsea and Arsenal. Chelsea, players who weren't good enough. Arsenal, at least they did buy some of their better players. Um, all things considered, they made a profit in this window of 10 million of this in this year. So it's a successful year. You know, they added a good right back who improved them and Deco, who wasn't brilliant for them, but it was, was a lot of fun for a while. Um, and they made some good sales. You'll note, though, the money has shrunk a little bit. They're not spending at the same kind of rate. They're more maintaining things at at this point. Uh, They bring in Sturridge for six and a half million from City. Uh, Yuri Zhirkov for 18 million. Again, Roman with his love of Russian players. And Nemanja Matic for 1.5 million, who obviously would have an interesting Chelsea career. Uh, Shevchenko leaves in a free... They get $10 million for Claudio Pizarro, who they brought in for free. This is a, is a successful window as well. Matic, Sturridge, these are young players. Yuri Zhirkov didn't work, but overall, I think a successful window when you factor in the sales. Uh, 2010-11, Yossi Benayoun didn't really work. Ramirez was good for a while, but was never as good as he had been with Benfica. Thomas Callos, uh, Matisse Jalak, they were only ever brought in to be young players to develop. They had a Fairly disastrous January, spending fifty million on Torres. They also bought David Luiz for two point one million, and Nemanja Matic. So that's where he goes the first time. Uh, Joe Cole leaves in a free. Balak leaves in a free. Miroslav Stosh, who they'd signed as a young player, they made a big profit on him. Belletti left in a free. Deco was sold to Fluminense. He wanted to go home to Brazil. 
Scott Sinclair was sold for half a million. They probably should have held on to him, but they got a bigger fee. Ricardo Carvalho leaves to Real Madrid and Franco de Santos, two million they got from. I thought it was more than that. But all told, they make a decent fist of selling players that year. But this for me is a failed, a failed year. Ramirez, good, but not 21 million good or 18 million good. I think it was more than that, but it's down here as 18 million. I do think it was more than that. I remember like 24 being the fee. Uh, Torres, 50, a mess, a mess. And Luis, 21. I was never a big fan, but they did they did uh, sell him for a substantial amount a few years later. Um, but overall, I'd say that's a failed year for them. 11-12, uh, Thibaut Courtois, great signing. Ariel Romeo, solid signing. They got Lukaku for 12 million. Juan Mata for 23 and a half. Raul Morales from Liverpool for 12. Uh, and then in the January, they signed Kevin De Bruyne for 6.7 million. Gary Cahill for seven. Lucas Piazon, who was meant to be the next big thing for seven and a half. And Patrick Bamford for one million. Uh, interesting sales. Yuri Zhirkov to Anzi Makakakakakakakaka. You remember that club? They uh, can only ever have been some sort of money laundering operation. Uh, Michael Mancian, who many people thought was going to be the next great English centre-back, sold to Hamburg for three million. Uh, Jack Cork, still knocking around. He was sold for 750000 And Slobodan Rajkovic, who they brought in, who was this enormous, powerful young centre-back that they got from um, some team in Serbia, was like the next great Serbian centre-back. He was going to be this next great, you know, I suppose, Yugoslav-type region centre-back. And he turned out to be an absolute lunatic. He was just like, think of the most aggressive player currently playing. And this guy was five times more aggressive. He thought he could win every single ball, every single tackle. He booted players up in the air. He spat at a referee at one point and was banned by FIFA for 12 months. Uh, just an absolute headbanger. Uh, so they sold him for $2 million, um, which I think was about what they paid for him. So it, all in all, uh, a fun little experiment for them. Um, but that is a good window. You get, I know the players didn't work out there, but you get Lukaku and you get De Bruyne in one year for a combined uh, 20 million, you're going to be happy. They also got Thibaut Courtois. So 30 million for Thibaut Courtois, Romelu Lukaku, and Kevin De Bruyne. That is an unbelievable bit of scouting there. Now, obviously, those players were highly regarded, and a lot of people were talking about them at the time. But that is unbelievable recruitment to get three players of that caliber for 30 million. And obviously, they ended up selling them all and making good money on them, but it, you know, only Courtois really made an impact at the club. Um, we'll move on then to 12 13. Uh, they signed the Masanda brothers. Charlie was the one they wanted. They signed his brother Lamisha and his brother Tika uh, to facilitate the deal for Charlie. None of them worked out. They decided to go all Belgian. Uh, they also signed Eden and Thorgan Hazard. Eden obviously had a great career with them. Thorgan did not, but would go on to become a fine player in his own right. 
They signed Marco Marin, uh, Andreas Christensen. This is really impressive recruitment. Oscar for 20 million, very good player. They ended up making a ton of money through some Chinese money laundering thing. But very good signing for them. Cesar Aspiricueta for 7 million. He's still there. He's the club captain. He's won the lot. So that's great recruitment. Uh, Victor Moses for 7 million. He was a key part of a team that won a title. They've made double that in loan fees since buying him. Uh, in January, they signed Wallace, who did not work. Demba Ba, who scored a, a big goal that people still sing about. They lost Drogba on a free, Basingwa on a free, Kalu on a free, and they got eight million for Real Morales. Then they sold Sturridge for twelve million. So all things considered, like they signed Eden Hazard, they signed Cesar Aspilicueta. Uh, this is a win, and Andreas Christensen was was a very good centre back for them as well. Um, this is a win of a window. The strategy is buy as many players as possible and hope that some of them work. Uh, Casey Palmer from Charlton don't understand why they signed him Andrea Sherla was a mistake at 19 million uh, Josemir Quintero um, not sure why they signed him maybe because he was from Barcelona Marco van Ginkel very talented midfielder always injured didn't work Isaiah Brown was probably probably most, the most talked about young English attacker at the time from West Brom his Completely torpedoed his career. Mark Schwarzer is a backup goalkeeper. Willian for 30 million, absolutely a success. Etu for 2 million, just for the, the vibes. Christian Atsu for three and a half. In January, they signed Bertrand Traore. They'd make a big profit on him. Nemanja Matic, who was very important for them. Mo Salah. I mean, look what he's become. And Kurt Zuma, who they made a bunch of a bunch off on loan fees and then sold them for a big profit. And Mario Pasolic, who they also made a huge profit off. Um, notable exits, Maluda left in a free, Benayoun left in a free, Bruma left for two million, a young player they'd signed for little or nothing. Then they sold De Bruyne for 16 and a half million. How another Premier League club didn't snap him up, I don't know. Because he'd already had the loan at Werder Bremen at that point. Uh, and they sell Juan Mata for 37.1 million and make a substantial profit on them. Um, it's another successful year. It really is. Uh, let's move on. 14-15, Sesk from Barca for 27 million. Diego Costa for 32 million. Felipe Luis for 16 million from Atletico Madrid. That one didn't work. They bring Drogba back in a free. They sign Loic Remy for God knows what reason. And then they sign Juan Cuadrado. Um, Sesk was good for them. Costa was very good for them. The rest, not so much. But they do sell really well this year. They get 50 million. 50 million for David Luiz. 5 million for Demba uh, 1.5 for Patrick Van Aanholt, who's, you know, still a solid left-back. 28 million for Lukaku, who they bought for 12. Um, Etu leaves for nothing. Surely they somehow make a profit on. Madness. 22 million. Madness. Uh, Ryan Bertrand, they get 10, <clears throat> 10 million for. And Thorgan Hazard, they get 6 million for, having paid a half a million to buy 
So all things considered, this is another successful year for Chelsea. It might not be smart recruitment, but it is successful recruitment because at the end, all you can really look at is what happens on the pitch. They won the league title that year under Jose Mourinho. Um, 15-16, they signed Nathan from Atletico Pyrenees. Uh, he didn't work. Asmir Begovic from 8 million, disastrous signing. Danilo Pantic, uh, Danilo Pantic, talented player, just didn't work for some reason. Baba Rockman, 14 million. Should have worked, didn't. Pedro, 21.4 million. I think that's a good signing. I think he gave them good service. Kennedy, 6.5. He's still there. Um, Papo Gilabaji, who they signed for 2.7, sold to Sunderland, I want to say, at a decent profit a couple of years later. I know we'll get there, but let's see. Yeah, sold him for 8 million. So in the end, it worked. Um, Michael Hector, 4 million, not good enough. Um, this was not a good window at all. Other than Pedro, this is a fairly large disaster. But they get good money for Thorgan Hazard. They get 10 million from Arsenal for Peter Cech. And they've got Courtois coming in. They lose money on Felipe Louise. Um, they get back the 5 million they spent on Ariel Romeo. And they do some money laundering with a Chinese club and get 25 million for, for um, Ramirez. I, I think that's got to be considered a, a failed year of transfers for Chelsea. 16 17, Conte is in town. They buy Michi Batuai for 33 million. Fair to say it hasn't worked. Angolo Conte for 30 million. I think that one worked fairly well. Marcus Alonso for 23 million. He's still there, but I mean, he's never warranted that type of price. And signing David Luiz back for 30 million was a mistake. Uh, they sold Stipe Pirica, who they had signed as a youngster for little or nothing, for 3.4. They sold Salah for 14.5. In retrospect, that's a bad move, but you know, it is what it is. They made a profit, lost money on Marco Marin, made a good sum on uh, Papi Gilabogi. Made an enormous sum on Oscar and sold Patrick Bamford for six million. They paid uh, one million for him. Um, all things considered, Angolo Kante makes this year a success and they won the league. But there's a lot of wasted money on that's those couple of windows. Um, 17 18, Rudiger for 29 million. He had about all told, he was good for about 12 months. All told. And left for free, but they did win a Champions League. So, uh, Bakayoko for 40 million, disaster. Morata for 58, disaster. Zabakata for 23, disaster. Danny Drinkwater for 35, disaster. This might be the worst transfer window I've ever seen. Especially when you factor in January... Barkley for 15 million hasn't worked. Emerson for 17.5 hasn't worked. They did buy Oli Giroud for 18 million, but I mean, he was a little bit past his best at this point. Um, they sold Begovic for 10, Solanke for 4, Quadrado for 17, Atsu for 6, Bertrand Trori for 9, Nathan Aki for 20, Chalaba for 5, Matic for 40. 
and then Diego Costa for 50. So they did make a lot of money back, but they still spent 75.5 million net spend uh, on an absolute shocker of a window. One of the worst I've ever seen. Uh, into 1819, then they bring in young Matson, who's a talented left back, uh, Sam McClelland. Uh, Jorginho was the big signing of the summer until they realize that Thibaut Courtois is forcing his way out and they've got to buy a goalkeeper and they spend 72 million on Kepa. So 123 million on Jorginho and Kepa. Then in January, they signed Christian Pulisic for 60. That's not great. Let's be honest now. It's not great. They got 31.5 for Courtois. Uh, they sold Jonathan Panso, currently at Forest, for 2.7. And Jeremy Boga for 2.7, who's outstanding and they really should have kept. He, these are, this is an example of the mistakes they make. You know, everybody looks at De Bruyne, rightly so, Salah, rightly so. But Jeremy Boga would have been a really good player for them to have the last couple of years. In the January, they sell Cest for £8 million. They also spent £7 million to bring in Gonzalo Higuain on loan. Think about that for a second. For a loan, a six-month loan, not even a full season, a six-month loan, six loan uh, £7 million. And it was the end of the January window too, so it's really only five months, of which one of them has no football played. So for four months of, of Gonzalo Higuain, they paid $7 million. That is another shocker of a year from Chelsea Football Club. 1920, they signed Kovacic because they've got the transfer ban, but they're allowed to sign him because he's already at the club. Uh, they sell Eden Hazard to Real Madrid. They sell Callas, they sell Reedon, they sell Casey Palmer, they sell De David Luiz, sell a lot of young players, and Killian Hazard, who's the second youngest brother. I think he's the third Hazard. Eden, Thorgan, Killian. Ethan? I think Ethan's the fourth one. I think he's the one nobody knows about. Um, he's the one that didn't become a professional. Even though, I remember when Eden Hazard was signed and they were talking with the family and how there was the four brothers and they were all immensely talented. The youngest one was the one they said was going to be the real, like, out-of-this-world talent and it just didn't work. Um, overall, they couldn't have done any better because they had the transfer but this is a really good window because they get Kovacic, who's very good. They get way over what Hazard should have brought in considering he had one year left and his contract was injury-prone. And uh, his arse had started to expand. I know he did a really good season, but yeah, not bad. I mean, they, they also loaned out a whole bunch of players. They made a fortune that year. So good window. 2020, the quote-unquote greatest transfer window that anyone has ever had, according to people that want you to pay them to listen to their podcasts. Uh, Hakim Zayic for $36 million hasn't worked. Timo Werner for 48 million hasn't worked. Ben Chilwell for 45. He hasn't really nailed down the starting position. Even before the injury, Marcus Alonso was starting half the games. 
Edward Mendy for 21 has worked. Kai Havertz scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. So you can't criticize the move. But he hasn't been worth 72 million based on what we've seen so far. Uh, but he's still very young. Overall, it's a fairly a fairly good window because you get Mendy, you get Kai, you go on and win a European Cup, so you have to change manager to do that. Um Mario Pasalic leaves this window for 13 and a half million, so that's where they made the big profit on him. Um all told, look, the season worked out brilliantly for them. They won the European Cup, but Zayic and Werner flops. Uh, in then to last season, they signed Lukaku, and it was a disaster. They signed Saul on loan, and it was a disaster. Uh, neither are the fault of the players, but here's where the real stupidity kicks in. They sold Fikayo Tomori for $27 million. It would now cost probably double that to bring him back. He would start for them this past season and this coming season, without question. He was, if not the best, and the second best centre-back in Serie A last season and led Milan to a league title. That's a bad move. Um, they sold Victor, Victor Moses, finally. Um, they got four and a half million for him. So, you know, they got 900 grand for Oli Giroud. Uh, they sold Mark Wehi for 21 million. Again, stupid, 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 stupid move. Why? Why would you not keep him? Why would you not loan him to a Premier League team? He would start for you now. Rudiger's gone. This guy's the ideal replacement. He's a better defensive player than Rudiger. Doesn't rely on his pace. Reads the game better, much calmer. Like, Tamore and Guehi, you got. 47, 48 million for them. Tremendous. To buy one of them now will cost that much. The centre-backs you're going to pay more money for aren't better than these two. And what Gwehi could become, what Tamori is becoming, that's top drawer. Uh, John Russell left. Lewis Bates, another young player, sold to Leeds. I don't think they had a huge amount of control over this one, but... I do know that a big part of it was he wasn't getting any first-team opportunities. So that's a big part of why he wanted out. He couldn't see a path for himself. Uh, Miles Perth-Harris, same kind of situation. Uh, Dinal Simeo, another really, really, really talented young defender who could go on to become a potential starter for you, but you just binned him off. Tino Livermento. Why, we, why would you sell him? Why would you sell him? Madness. Absolute madness. Tammy Abraham, they got 36 million for. It's good money, but again, wouldn't they just have been better off with Tammy Abraham in their team than Romelu Lukaku this past year? They sold Zuma, they sold Zabacosta, they sold Ike Ugbo, no issue there. Uh, they sold Declan Firth the young midfielder slash left-back, who they'd only got a few months beforehand. So didn't really understand any of what happened with him. Not really sure why he was there, because he was only there for about six months. And uh, then they moved him on. It's another bad window. I mean, Lukaku is a disaster. And those two, the, those three sales, forgetting the Tammy one, because I can, I can see the logic and, you know, look, Tuchel doesn't like him, he doesn't want him, whatever. But 
Quahi, Tamore and Livermento, I just don't understand. I don't understand what the club were thinking in doing that. It's just madness. Uh, Lewis Baker finally left and went and free. Another, another young player that Chelsea stole at a young age. They stole him from Luton uh, when he was about 10 and his career never went anywhere. And um, he's now at Stoke. And, and good for him. I hope he has a good career. But, you know, um, that's some really, really, really bad transfer windows in recent years. Early on, the approach, while scattergun, was much more effective for them. But in recent years, when Marina was making the decisions, look at those windows. Look what they've done. Look how much bad money was spent. Look at look how much money was thrown away and the bad decisions made on young players. That would frustrate the life of me if I was a Chelsea fan. It really would. And Todd, and Todd Bowley says he's going to take a more analytical approach to transfers. I think Rafinha does fit that mould because Liverpool tried to buy him last summer and Liverpool do all their approaches analytically. So if Liverpool were in from a year ago and have been following for a couple of years, there's probably something in the data. So I'd imagine Chelsea have, while establishing their own data department this summer and expanding it and doing whatever else they're going to do, they've just looked at, well, who are smart clubs looking at? Well, Liverpool wanted Rafinha a year ago. They wanted him a couple of years before that, or they were monitoring for a couple of years before that. Let's go sign him. He makes sense. Uh, Raheem Sterling's been a key part of the Chelsea team, of the City team that have won multiple titles. Before that, he was in the academy at Liverpool. So he's been well-schooled. Let's go sign him. He's a top-class player. This summer will be a bit messy for Chelsea, and there'll probably be a mistake somewhere. But I don't think it's Rafinha, and I don't think it'll be Raheem Sterling. I think they're good signings if they get them both done. Um, and I, the purpose of what I've just done is to point out that change has been needed because when they were having success under Mourinho and Ancelotti and then Mourinho again, it was a bit of a scattergun recruitment approach, but they had more hits than misses, and they made, and they made some good sales. Under Marina, I think it's been fairly awful. And I think they've made bad sales. They've sold the wrong players repeatedly. Repeatedly. And some of those windows are absolute shockers. That window with Zabacosta, <laughs> Danny Drinkwater, that might, that might be the worst window anyone's ever had. But Chelsea have a couple of others that are in contention for that. Uh, rather than laugh at Chelsea anymore, I will take a break. When we come back, we will run through the, the latest news and update the gossip, and then we're done. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So it appears that Manchester United are edging closer to agreeing a fee for Frankie de Jong, which will be somewhere in the 75 to 80 million pound range, including add-ons. Um, they still have to convince him. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, Guy has informed me that Levi Colwell is wanted by both Leicester and Southampton, according to The Guardian. If, if they let him go, 
that would it would be the height of stupidity. I don't want him to go to Leicester because I don't want him to play under Brendan Rodgers. But it doesn't really make sense for Southampton because they're already well-stocked at centre-back. Unless he's going to go there and play left-back, which is possible. Livermento, Bednarak, Salisu and Colwell could be good. Um, or they could move to a back three, you, you wouldn't know, and play Salisu as the middle one. He'd be like he'd be really good at Leicester, don't get me wrong. Um, he could play left back there as well, as centre back. But you could build a long-term partnership of him and Fafana, and it would be incredible. Um, but I think there'll be other clubs that'll get involved there. Wouldn't surprise me to see Forrest's name pop up. They need a centre back. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, Palace got involved. They do need it's more depth they need rather than a starter. But again, maybe they're looking to move to a back three. Uh, Clement Langlet to Spurs. It looks like it's edging close. This is an awful, awful move for Spurs. He's just not good. He's just not good. It's as simple as that. Now maybe in a back three, he'll be better. But I have doubts. He is bang average, and your Champions League team. Are they spending their centre-back budget on Richarlison? That would be very Paratici. Very Paratici. The guy's an absolute jackass. Um, We've covered Rafinha. Sven Botman is a Newcastle player. 32 million plus 2.5 million in add-ons. Pictures of him holding the shirt. Very few clubs this summer will upgrade a single position as much as Newcastle just did. Like to go from Dan Byrne to Botman is an enormous upgrade. They still need a right-sided centre-back. Toon fans tell me it's unlikely that they're probably more likely to sign a striker. I just, stupid clubs will do stupid things. Build your defence and solidify that. You need a winger as well. Sign a winger who can score your goals. You've got Wilson, you've got Wood you'll be all right up front. You can sign a striker in January. Don't waste your money now on a striker when you've got a glaring need at right centre-back. Like, you can't roll into the season with Fabian Scher or Jamal Lachelle starting. You just can't. And the idea of Dan Byrne and Botman, and I will lose my mind if I continue to see people say, oh, well, right-footers play together all the time. Why can't left-footers? It's nothing to do with what foot you kick with. It's what side you play. They're not interchangeable. The centre-backs who can play right side or left side equally well, play them equally bad. They're average centre-backs. They're not starting calibre centre-backs. Guy says it's also morally wrong to play two left centre-backs. Just for that, I want to see someone roll out an entire back foot, a back five, even better, three left-footed centre-backs a left-footed right wing-back and a left-footed left wing-back. No, Dan Byrne has never in his life played right-side centre-back, ever, ever. The guy's played most of his career the last five years as a left-back. And Botman's never played right-side centre-back either. So the Athletics saying yesterday, oh, well, Eddie Howe is open to playing two lefty. Neither of them have ever played right-side centre-back before. Like, whatever about Shar and Lachelle's, like, Byrne might be better than them. I don't think he is. Certainly not better than Shar. He might be better than Lachelle's. More 
more consistently average. Lachelle's can be really good or garbage. There's no in-between. Byrne is just average the whole way across. But at right centre-back, Lachelle's is levels above him. Levels above him. So is Cher. They're different positions. The top defenders specialise one side or the other. Most times, the left-side centre-back is just whichever one is left-footed. That's just how they're developed because there's far fewer left-footed people in the world than there is right-footed people in the world. A lot of teams have to play a right-footer there, but it's someone that specialises in that position. Virgil van Dijk has been playing left-side centre-back since he was 19. And at Southampton, when they signed Wesley Hoyt and tried to play them together and Virgil moved across to the right, he looked completely out of sorts. Cohen watched the games. It's the worst run of form he's ever had. Players specialise one side or another. It's got nothing to do with what foot they kick with. If you got a team that are two elite academy centre-backs, both left-footed, one of them would be specialising as the right-sided one. He would be learning that position. You're not throwing a 30-year-old Dan Byrne across and saying, best of luck, buddy. It wouldn't surprise me if Eddie Howe did, because, let's be fair, Eddie Howe's defensive record is an abomination. But that would be suicidal. Buy another centre-back. Again, Manchester United nearing agreement for Frankie and targeting Malaysia. I, I reckon they probably get Malaysia done and we'll wait and see what happens with the other one. Um, some rumblings that Dominic Calvert-Lewin to Newcastle could be the move. I, I like Calvert-Lewin, but if he's going to cost you 60 million, that gets you a centre-back and a holding midfielder if your recruitment is smart. You get both of them. You fill those two positions and all of a sudden you've got a right side centre back, let's say Lacroix from Wolfsburg for 30 million, or I don't know, Edmund Tapsopper, who I suggest might be a bit more than that. Let's say you get him, get a good holding midfielder in from the region of 25, 30 million. Those three, that is where you start to build those three and Bruno Gomerich, those four, that's where you start to build the team that's eventually going to get into the top four and then potentially challenge for the title after that. In that area, you don't do it with Calvert-Lewin. Because if you buy Calvert-Lewin for $60 million, in two years you're going to want to upgrade on him. It does look like City will get Mark Cucurella next. That seems to be um, what the plan is. I think City will be more than happy to pay 50, maybe even 60 million for the player, because while he would initially come in as a backup, there's no doubting his ability to start for that team in the coming years. He'll turn 24 next month. So, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make a dent in City's bank balance and they could have him for seven, eight years as either a starter or a really important squad player. So, you know, there is that. Uh, Can you identify these players who move between the top six clubs? Oh, a quiz. We'll do a quiz. Let's go. 
Um, Arsenal to Manchester City for 14 million in 2009 and City to Liverpool in 2013. That is Colo Toure. Tottenham to Manchester City for 45 million in 2017. That would be one Kyle Walker. Liverpool to Manchester City in 2019 for 49 million. 2019? I'm guessing it's Raheem Sterling and they've put the year wrong. Yeah, they've just put the year wrong. Because uh, Liverpool haven't sold them anyone else. Manchester United to Manchester City for 25.5 million in 09. I think that's Carlos Tevez, but that's worth correcting. United didn't receive that 25.5 million. That went to a third party because he was only ever on loan at United officially. Uh, Tottenham, sorry, Liverpool to Chelsea for 50 million. That is Fernando Torres. Uh, Arsenal to Chelsea 06. That's Ashley Cole. Um, Arsenal to Liverpool 35 million. That's got to be Oxlade. Chamberlain, Chelsea to Manchester United for 37.1 million. We talked about him earlier. That is Juan Mata. Manchester United to Arsenal for 16 million. That's got to be Danny Welbeck. 16 million for Danny Welbeck. Jesus wept. And Arsenal wonder why they declined. Arsenal to Manchester United in 2012 for 24 million. Robin Van Persie. So you sell Robin Van Persie. And then two years later, you buy Danny Welbeck for only eight million less, and Arsenal to Manchester City in 2011 for seven million. Would that be one Gale cliche? It would. There we go. That is that. We'll finish up then with the gossip and get done for today. Chelsea are close to agreeing a 55 million pound deal for Rafinha. Note that is from the Guardian. Who else did the Guardian employ? The spoofer with the catchphrase, but they're contradicting his quote-unquote, reporting. Uh, if anyone wonders why I have an issue with Romano, it's because he's a liar, and I just don't like liars. They bother me. And if you if you think for a second that he is some sort of well-respected journalist, just look at who he works for. Caught offside and a bunch of fan sites. Real journalists don't do that. Real journalist, if he was as good as he pretends to be, Sky Sports will be paying him an enormous amount of money to do their transfer insider stuff. In the same way ESPN pay Adrian Wojnarowski an enormous amount of money. In the same way the Athletic pay David Ornstein or in basketball, Shams Terania, enormous amounts of money. Buster only for ESPN on the baseball side. They pay the Adam Schefter, ESPN, the, um, the football, the American football side. Those type of guys, they earn massive money because they break news. If Romano was what he, what people perceive him to be because he's got 9 million Twitter followers, he'd be getting that type of gig, not working for caught offside, which has always, for 15 years, been a source of garbage. Uh Chelsea have turned their attention to Milan Skriniar after Paris Saint-Germain. Oh, no, sorry. Who's also a target of Paris Saint-Germain. After deeming the 102 million release clause of Matthias Delict too expensive. I said the other day, I think Delict is, was using Chelsea to try and get a better contract. And part of getting a better contract 
is to get that release clause lowered. Um, PSG have agreed personal terms with Scrinier, as well as Renato Sanchez and 23-year-old Italian striker Gianluca Scamica. Um, that, that's an interesting one. I hadn't heard that name before for them. It's an awkward fit, but him and Mbappe for the long haul could be fairly spectacular. Uh, Chelsea have been linked with a third city player, Zinchenko. We mentioned that yesterday. Uh, they're maybe trying to become part of the city football group. So, you know, they get Rafinha now and then they feed him to City later. Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag hopes the expected signing of Frankie de Jong will convince Christian Eriksen to join the club. That's bizarre. Tottenham have stepped up their pursuit of Richarlison, but a £20 million offer plus Stephen Bergvine has been rejected. I, I think it's going to end up with maybe 25, 30 million plus Bergvine plus, plus Winks, but they'll pay 60 and then Everton will give them back 30 or 35 for Bergvine and Winks in separate deals. Uh, Winks, rather not Winks. Yeah, Winks in separate deals. Uh, Tottenham are now ready to seal a 100 million. Uh, Middlesbrough are growing frustrated with Tottenham stalling on a deal for Jed Spence, which could open the door for Nottingham Forest to sign him. If, if Forest can get him, they should get him. But Crystal Palace also need a right back and they should jump in for him. They are very close to signing Czech de Cure from Lens. Brilliant, brilliant signing for them. Absolutely brilliant. Fulham have been given permission to speak to Andreas Pereira, although it appears he would rather stay in Brazil. Fulham are looking to sign Kevin Mbappu. Kevin Mbappu, who is at Wolfsburg, right back, Swiss international. If I'm not mistaken, once of Newcastle. Yes. Spent four years at Newcastle. Played three games. Played five games in all competitions. Three in the Prem. One in the League Cup, one in the FA Cup. Um, was there when they went into the Championship and they still loaned them out. Interesting. Uh, Rafa Benitez didn't always get things right. Southampton have joined a growing number of clubs interested in Josh Brownhill. It's going to cost quite a bit of money to get Josh Brownhill. Manchester City have agreed a deal to sell England 19 international Sam Adozi to German club Bayer Leverkusen for £10 million. Now, he is highly regarded as a really exciting young player. Um, I also read that Southampton were close to a deal for another City youngster. Is it Laria? No. What is the kid's name? I can't remember. I saw it earlier. Oh, Lavia. Lavia. That's exactly him. Lavia. Romeo Lavia. Uh, apparently close to going to Southampton. Now, I mentioned at the end of yesterday's podcast about a few players that City were looking to move out. You know, Gabriel Jesus, Raheem Sterling, uh, Zach Steffen, and now Lavia and Dozy. And um, it's a little bit suspect. Um, 
Manchester City's United States goalkeeper, Zach Steffen, is expected to join. Middlesbrough on loan. He's going to move in with Guy. And uh, Guy's going to show him the ropes in the local area. Uh, championship sides, Millwall and Watford, are interested in signing Pape Habib Gaye, um, who's at Kortrijk in, in Belgium, at uh, Senegalese attacker. Talented by all accounts. Don't know anything about him personally. Um, and that's it. That is all our gossip for today. It's a little bit disappointing. I was hoping for something funnier. Um, nothing very funny today, unfortunately. So I'll see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Have a good evening. Don't do anything stupid. And uh, I'll be back with more slander for Premier League clubs tomorrow. Just to be clear, I don't pick on any Premier League club. Isolate all of them, including my own when they do stupid things. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.